what I said. I got a hundred squares if you're scared, call a fan. So I'm going on and on, get it in. Yeah, you know we do. Commission in an image till we finish down and bring them to represent. Body deep off in the street, bring them heat with no peace. Get them to them with no priest. Yeah, with no drama, baby. That just since he flipped the script. Trying to reach them where they at. Boulevard or the strip. Ain't a whole sunny side from Trinity to PA. From Samoa to Angola to the soldiers on the base. This is Christ. That is it. The way that we are saved. I will shout it from the roof till they put me in a grave. It don't matter. It's whatever. I tell them that he raised. That's the power of the gospel. The reason I'm on the shame. 20. What's up, fam? It's your boy Kingpin, Big Drake, Maybe Radio Show, uh, coming with a special type episode. Some of y'all may hear it because you just listened to the audio, but we will have a video. We Yes, you heard it right. We are live on screen, uh, recorded live. Big Drake, what's up with your boy? What's going on, Kingpin, my man? It's real good to be back on with my family, but it's an extended family because we got special guests. Why don't you go ahead on and introduce me, Kingpin? We got special guests tonight, man. We got, uh, you know him as we talk about him most of the time as the humidor, uh, but his real name is Jeffrey Wright. Uh, he hosts the Talking Cash podcast, Sugar Honey IT podcast. Jay Wright, what's up with you, boy? Man, I'm good, man. Happy to be here. Happy to kick it with my boys. Yeah, man. And then in the, in the bottom right corner, hailing out of VA. <laughs> we got the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Mike Perry. MP, what's up, boy? Hey, uh, what's going on, man? It's good to be with y'all. <laughs> uh, after hearing you so many episodes, it's crazy to be here on the Maybe Radio Show looking at y'all in the flesh <laughs> electronically. <laughs> Thanks for having me, y'all. Appreciate it. Man, look, hey, MP, I, I give you, I always tell y'all that doctor, I always throw that out there first. He won't tell y'all that, man, he's this type of dude he is, but I lay it out there. But uh, MP's also the CEO of Catalyst, um, uh, just all around leadership development. They do a little bit of all of that. Uh, and him and his wife host a weekly podcast as well called The Marriage Shop, uh, Monday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, sir. Yeah, I miss it every week. I miss every time I at, at 8 15, I realize that I missed it. So forgive <laughs> you. It's all good. It's always next week. Hey man, glad y'all was able to join us tonight to uh tonight, man. Uh I really want to do uh again, this you know, we missed last week, so y'all ain't got no y'all didn't get the football updates, but that's okay. Uh but after this week, man, had a very to me, uh was a very emotionally draining week. And challenging. And and so I was talking to Big Drake about this week's show. It mentioned, I was like, man, hey, how about we do a show? We talk about, um, you know, we talk about everything on our show anyway. So we've talked about mental health and some of the other things. But we really wanted to, you know, in light of the death of uh, a Twitch this week, um, uh, also we had the, the journalist, uh, you know, that died in our, our, um, over uh, while watching the World Cup. And uh, just, just kind of the, Qatar, what is that? What it is? Yeah, uh, just just the kind of heaviness and 
and there's been a lot of conversation anytime, especially when a celebrity or something, you know, uh, commits suicide, then all the talk kind of kind of centers back around it again. Um, and 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 again, I don't think we can talk enough about making this uh, a topic or a conversation that doesn't have to have a bad thing happen for us to talk. Um, and and kind of normalizing this conversation and having conversations and talk about it. So, so man, we, we wanted to reach out to both of you guys to, to, and we thought about guests to have on and both of y'all were tops on the list of people to come on. Uh, Jay, Jay Wright, I know you have a, a personal connection uh, uh, to Twitch uh, growing up. Uh, and, and then Doc, uh, MP, you know, just, just with your profession background and all that stuff uh, about kind of um, who you are, I, I thought would, would, would add to our conversation here. Uh, in doing that, hey, but I, let me let me start our conversation with this and uh, something I don't think we do enough. Um, but let me ask you guys, hey, how are you feeling tonight? I personally feel pretty good, man. I I, I feel good. Um, and you and I have, have talked about this, just the, the the pressures of not only being black in America, being a black man in America, but being a husband, being a father. And you and I have spoken just about life and the decisions that men have to make because our wives are our counterparts and any big decision, of course, uh, I'm in counsel with my wife and we're going to make the best decision. But at the end of the day, if the decision I make or we make causes this ship to start sinking, nobody's going to look at my wife and be like, that's her fault. No. Everybody's gonna look at me, and everybody's gonna look at you and Jay Wright and Doctor, and they're gonna be like, "As how did they let this happen?" So I think sometimes those are also added pressures when you're thinking about finances and a whole bunch of other stuff. I talked to another one of my my good friends, one of my teammates, and he had some stuff going on financial wise, and and we were just talking <clears throat> if the decisions we make. Um really hurts this family in the long run nobody ever is going to look at the wife and be like well why did she let that happen nah <laughs> you know yeah we're the, we're the captain yeah <laughs> yes yeah but but to answer your question i'm feeling pretty good uh tonight and i'm happy that we're doing this and i'm happy we got some some educated people on here to to talk this thing out with yeah mp man how, how, how are you feeling uh tonight at this moment um, so it's, it's an interesting question. I feel good. You know, no, you mentioned I'm from VA. I live in, I live in Georgia right now, but I am in Virginia and, and we're here because we lost a family member and the family's converging, um, on this area. And so, um, you know, there's a heaviness, right? But I just left, uh, Virginia beach, uh, the house where everybody's gathering and there's, I don't know how many people over there right now, 30 or so. And I look around at um, the fruit of all the labor and, and all the love and everything and what that's produced, because we're looking in the, in the house about four generations walking wow. around. And so I look at that and despite the heaviness, you know, at times like this, you get an opportunity to, to kind of see in one place how far you've come. And so I feel I feel pretty good about that, right? And I think it's relevant to um, what we're talking about this evening, because 
no matter what we're going through, no matter where you are, it's not, it's never over until you stop. Right. And so yeah. um, I feel good about the fact that, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen amidst this loss um, that we're experiencing, I'm seeing this growth um, in a family. So feeling pretty good about yeah. that. J-Dub, how about you, brother? How you feeling today, man? Man, I'm good. I, um, <clears throat> Wednesday, um, I dropped my, dropped my daughter off, went to work. Well, was headed, running around town before I sat down to get back <clears throat> in front of my computer. And then all my guys that um, went to school with, with us, and I'm using, um, y'all call them Twitch, we call them Steven, um, Steve Boss. So I get a text and, you know, I get the, the screenshot from TMZ that he committed suicide. And I'm like, just sitting there in the parking lot, like, now nah, let me get on Twitter and see, like, let me let yeah. me see if I can find some news on this. And then get on Twitter and, you know, you don't expect to see, like, somebody you grew up with, like, number one trending for that. Yeah. And so that day was kind of shot because just mentally it was it was just like man i can't believe i just read that and just to make sure everybody understands like a lot of like he's from montgomery so we went to like part of elementary and junior high together then kind of kept in contact um throughout high school and then we went to college we kind of both went our separate ways but you know I kind of kept up with what was going on with him um I had family members who bumped into him when he came back home so I hadn't hadn't actually spoken to him in person in a while but still just you know proud to see you know a former classmate teammate going on doing big stuff and then when I saw that it was like man my phone blew my phone's blowing up left and right everybody's like man what what just happened then everybody's kind of reminiscing um about the person he was and then you know you go on social media and it's just constantly all over the timeline and so Wednesday I was just like you know what I tried to go back to work but I couldn't so it was just like one of those yeah it, it was a punt like straight <clears throat> up just the whole day was a punt and then Thursday you know I'm feeling better Friday, feeling a little bit better, but you know, you still just you, you can't get away from it. And then, so last night, um, my parents were celebrating their 50th anniversary, so they had a whole shindig where you know, we there with family, we with family, we with friends, and not just seeing them celebrating 50, but like all my aunties and uncles, they had like 46 years of marriage, 42, 48. My dad's friends, 53 years, 52. So I was like real positive to see all that love going on in that room. So um, mentally, definitely uplifting, um, you know, feeling feeling better. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and be like I was, um, I was, you know, riding on cloud nine. You know, Wednesday was a bad day and then, you know, Thursday, Friday, like I'm back at it. But um, to what? Dr. Perry said, man, it's, you, you, you never finish. It's always, you always just, it's a marathon. You just all, you're always running that race. Yeah. Now I, I feel you, man. And, and, you know, for me, when I, like I said, when Wednesday hit and I, I think, um, I don't know if my wife texts me first or, 
or, or if I was on social media or something kind of when I when I read it and I did exactly like you I'm like mm, let me go to Twitter let me like I got I need a couple of other sources I can't go for one source I hopped on my laptop like Yahoo you know CNN like come on man somebody else got to I'm not I'm not I'm not it, so whoever decided to put this this out here you know what I'm saying like I hope they kill themselves uh cuz that this not cool I, I you know they, they got to be lying and um and so as it was confirmed again, kind of kind of now seeing it, then seeing all this other stuff, all the people talking, seeing other posts and all that stuff kind of flooding, uh, it was very jarring for me. Um, because just like Big Drake said, you know, for me, it was in you know, Drake know, I think Mike know, MP know too. Hey, the last two months, uh I feel like I've carried a gorilla around with me kind of kind of daily. Um major life decisions um you know uh that that could have significant impact for for not just my immediate family but my entire family. Um and and you know like as Big Drake said feeling like uh yeah me and my wife counsel together to make that call. I know she's in the game with me. But ultimately, I know fourth quarter, shot clock riding down, end of the game, it all all else, you know, I gotta take the shot though. Um, and everybody's gonna remember I took the shot. <laughs> not not anything else, you know, that's kind of in the on, on the team with you, none of that stuff, you know what I mean? And so um, you know, showing up how I feel today. Uh, like it's it's been a it's been a it feels like it's been on one of the back end legs of that marathon, man. All uphill in the snow, you know what I'm saying? I got hypothermia, um, and and you know I've I, you know if I'm honest, I've been struggling um, with some of that pressure um, that I've had to carry. You know what I'm saying? And, and that decision making. And so this week's uh, where I felt like I was finally coming up, I had got at peace with my decision making and all that type of stuff. And then this hit, and it really did something to me, man. Because again, I all of all of that at peace stuff flooded back to me about my decision making, and the weight of that decision fell right back on me for whatever reason. And I think it was like kind of what Drake said is because I feel like that heaviness is on us. Um, and I'm grateful, but I will say this: I want to flip though, though. You know, the thing, though, that I'm so grateful for is that I do got cats in my life, you know what I'm saying, that I can call and talk about that type of stuff. You know, Big Drake text me. He knew I was dealing with some stuff and making some issues. We didn't tape. We had a couple of down weeks and didn't tape and stuff. I ain't get no text, you know, hey, where we taping and all that stuff because he knew I had other pressures. And, you know, when I reach out or when I call, is hey, you good? Hey, what's, you know, it's it's always that uplifted. Uh, I had to make a ride to the crib uh, to where, you know, I may could have could have ended up in in with some charges on me. Uh, and I was grateful that I got a chance to talk to Mike for that, you know, that hour and 15 minutes on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, coming back, I you know, coming back this week after going down to see to to, to see and having to make some decisions for like my, my, my family and for my grandparents, you know, getting a chance to talk to Jay Wright about some other stuff that Hey, I got to go do this. Or I got to make this call for them financially and having that counsel to be able to help. 
Um, so, so I was grateful to have people in my corner, man, that helped me kind of, kind of pick, pick me up. Um, how, how did, and I know all of y'all, cause we all have had conversation. How does that piece play in to, to kind of how you're able into your maintaining and, and, and how does that even factor into your life or how do you see those connections for you, uh, in your life and how do they play out, man? Um, as, as you kind of carry this thing around called manhood? Um, for me, in, in Kingpin, you probably know me better than anybody. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little different. And when, when I say different, I'm, I'm built different. I don't mean it like that. Like, <laughs> I'm, um, and I, I think part of it is what made me good at my, my previous job because I was able to just be in the moment. Okay, this is this. But once this part is over with and I transition to my home life, being a husband, being a father, I've always been able to let whatever happened on the left linger and carry on over to the right. And that's what I mean. I've just I've seen enough dead bodies to last me 10 lifetimes and I don't have nightmares from it. I don't struggle with that. You know, I, I guess I'm just a little different. The the. The thing I've always had, I've always had people like you, because you, you know me. I'm, I'm the type of person we've had discussions like this. I could not speak to somebody and just be okay with it. Like <laughs> I'm a little weird that way. But you uh, have always, because we could go months without talking, especially you know when, when we had the hiatus when we went doing the show. But when we get on the phone, it's like we. We just talked the other day and it's like there's no drop off. So having people in, in my life that are real friends, not somebody, well, you ain't called me. I ain't heard from you in this amount of time. Why did it? Because everybody got something going on. But when yeah. we, I'm worried about you. You're worried about me. We can bounce ideas off each other. We can counsel each other and just move forward and be the best versions of ourselves. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes good sense, man. That makes good sense. <clears throat> Yeah, man. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of like Drake in in a way. It's like, I as you as you mature, you leave college, right? Life changes, and you begin to build this thing. And um, when everybody's building, like when I'm talking about my real friends and and that close family, and when we're all building, we're not looking over our shoulder like, wait a minute, it's been three months since I heard from you, six months since I heard from you. Where you been? Why you can't call? I got time for that, right? Because we understand that it requires something of you to build something beyond where you were. And I, I remember um, there was a friend of mine, quote unquote, who um, <laughs> he went on a whole tirade about, yeah, if I haven't heard from you and yeah, I don't know what it was, you know, 30, 40, 60 days, and I'm going to delete you from Facebook. And I'm like, dude, what, what are you talking about? Like, why? I'm like, you ain't got to delete. Yeah, go delete now. Go delete. Man, you might as well go ahead and take me. Uh, I said, like, you know, my people got to understand what it is, right? I mean, my mom went over to me for a couple of weeks. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, I can't be like keeping track of, of you. I mean, and that's not to be, you know, disparaging or to be mean spirited, but it's, you have to understand, you know, and, and so the idea that you know, I have people in my life, uh, some of them family, you know, blood relatives, some of them, um, um, you know, friends that I've met along the way who are as close as family and blood, like like uh, Prince Gilbert, right? <laughs> so 
it is the ability to pick that phone up and no matter what, say, hey, you know what? Here's what's going on. Boom. And not have to go through all of the foolishness of where you been, but no, what's, what's going on? Right? I ain't got to catch then, nobody up. Right. Yeah. You know? And so um, I think that's really important. I, I've always had that, you know, it is not my story that, you know, nobody said I could make it and all that. There were some people who said that. I don't remember who they were. Don't really care. <laughs> right. But I just, you know, again, I just, I just left a, a house full of people who I've known all my life and that support has been there. And as I've gone out and done things, I've been blessed to meet people along the way who are as close or closer than the people standing in that house. And I think, I think that for me, that's what it's, what it's been because there's an exchange. You're always at a place where you can offer something that's going to help somebody and you can receive the help that somebody else has to give for you. That's why I think it's great that we're not all in the same place going through the exact same challenges at the same time. There's probably like a dozen challenges you're gonna go through in your life, but it's just a matter of when you're turn, you know, when you get your turn at bat. Um, and so when I'm going through, maybe I can call one of y'all and say, hey, bruh, <laughs> I'm going through it. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I think that everybody needs that. I think we have a tendency sometimes, and we don't want anybody in our business, right? That pride kicks in. We're supposed to know all the answers be everything to everybody. And when we fall short of that, we don't want to tell anybody because we set up an expectation for ourselves. We're supposed to be something that is impossible to be. Nobody can be everything to everyone, right? Nobody can get all the right answers. Nobody can go live life mistake free, you know, and sometimes you'll even be embarrassed, but you got to be able to like, let somebody in and say, Hey, this is what happened. All right? That's crazy. Right? Yeah, man, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but and somebody's gonna get you, not judge you, just be able to have a conversation about it, not even have answers necessarily, but it is very difficult to do anything meaningful by yourself. Certainly living your life. I think that's it's impossible to do. So you gotta have somebody in, in your corner who's gonna be there um when you when you call and and somebody who you'll pick up that phone for when they call you. I think that's really important. So that that's that's what it's been for me. Um, it's just having, you know, someone there when I need somebody. And even when I don't want to call nobody, when I'm, when I'm like, when I, when I retreat, cause it's almost reflexive, it's instinctive to retreat. Yeah. And inevitably somebody, somebody calls and I'm looking at the phone, like, why are you calling me now? I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> I want to retreat. Right. But, um, I, I just think that sometimes, uh, people call you exactly when you need them. If you if you're looking, if you're listening, and if you're willing to pick up when they call. Mm. And, and Jay, I want to get to you, but Mike, you I think you just said something very key, man. That um, you know, also I don't want us to glaze over. You said you know somebody will always call you know when you need them or right in time if you pick up the phone. Um, I think you know us becoming okay with picking up the phone um, and not trying to tough it out you know what i'm saying and not trying to just rub a little dirt on it and keep it moving uh there's so many things we were told coming up as young boys or kids um about quote unquote being a man that that were um yeah i say detrimental but i, I you know i want to use a word more severe than detrimental like they is literally taking us out it's killing us because of the crap we were taught 
that's you know, and y'all know me. I'm 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 gonna be always kind of you know. I got to keep God kind of. That's that's one not not biblical. <laughs> the stuff we were taught isn't even biblical, man. It's not even how God how God how Jesus rolled. So it's not biblical, uh, and it's definitely not beneficial uh, to us for the in the long term uh, or whatever. So, um, Jabo, how 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 you you know uh, how how does your do you have how do you deal with uh, that crew or those you know those people? How do you interact or share uh, that load, or at least let people know that when you're heavily loaded? Man, I um. I got a lot of, I got friends, like real friends, you know, and I, like, I have one childhood friend, we've known each other since like 97, 98, something like that. And so me and him were talking and we've had similar, similar family issues. And he was like, man, you know, we probably should go to therapy. And I'm like, yeah, we're doing that right now. I'm like, you my therapist. And he was like, well, I'm like, dude. And it's just me. And I'm pretty sure um, Dr. Perry probably would have a a, a, a more um, com- a more complete analysis and probably gonna tell me this ain't right. But you know, a hey, lot he, of us he'll, include he'll, he'll, see, he'll see you your report after we're done. <laughs> like, right I mean, a, a lot of us aren't cool with you know, like the, the traditional like therapy setting, right? Um, we have like, especially in our community, we got stigmas about going to therapy, you know, therapy's for crazy people. That's that's how yep. we were brought up. And especially as men, and I ain't finna go and just, you finna have me Pay somebody to tell them all your money. talking about all my childhood trauma. <laughs> like, no, you can't see, you can't see that side of me, but like, I, I think for those of us who honestly may never go to traditional therapy, I feel like being able to have like some real solid people around you that you really can go talk to and people who will check you and tell you like, yeah, I know you feel the way you feel, but you tripping. Like, now nah, you are dead wrong in that situation. It, it's, it's important to have that and I kind of look at it like because I have real solid people that I can confide in. I've learned as I've gotten older that I thought that was just normal, but there's a lot of folks walking through life and they are literally trying to do it all by themselves and they're going to fail. And like, where I, whereas I can call somebody and somebody will pick up their phone and even if I had to, I know I got friends that'll pick up the phone and be like, you know what? I'm going to come holler at you. Like, I'm going to pull up on you in person, no matter where I am, they'll drop what they're doing and come essentially save me or, or, you know, however you want to put it. But I I rely a lot on that. And then my personality is I'm a, I can compartmentalize well. So it's like, sometimes I don't, it's just like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that one on the chin. I'm just gonna move on to the next thing. Because at the end of the day, my my attitude also is is like I have a list of people that I really care about and I care about how they feel about me. And the reality of it is, if you're not on that list, I don't care. 
<laughs> and I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but a lot of times, like the stuff that I've dealt with, like especially professionally, people say stuff, people do stuff, people go behind your back and do stuff. And I'm just like, I'm going to go home. My wife is going to be there and she loves me. My daughter's going to be there and she loves me. And man, to hell with the rest of it. Like, I, you know, I wake up the next day and, and do it all over again. But as long as those people that I really care about care about me and love me, I'm that, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, it's, it's a lot of stuff that I feel like we can get sidetracked on that in the grand scheme of things, it's affecting us and maybe even the person who did it. They at home and ain't thinking, ain't thought twice about what they said or what they did to you. And it's bothering you for the next two, three months. And I'm just like, I have to just put that over here. Okay, cool. It happened. My little girl loves me. My wife loves me. My mom and dad care about me. My friends care about me. I'm going to go be around those positive people. And I'm going to just leave that where it's at. And oh, look, Jay Wright, he said a lot of things right there. I think are really important. I don't know which one I want to grab. If you allow me, if y'all allow me. But, but you know, I'll start with one of the last things he said, and that is knowing who your tribe is, your people are, right? A lot of times people, we want everybody to be on board, everybody to support, everybody to love, everybody. That's just not realistic. And a lot of times when people are missing things, right? the things that they have and they need, they've always had them and they're not going anywhere. Right. What, what, what JJ said, you know, his kids, wife, family. And for some people, that's just not enough. They want more, but the truth is that's really all you need. And those are going to be the people that are most consistent and it's going to be messy sometimes and dramatic in there and all that stuff. But that family love, love and messiness is just a different kind of messy, right? And it's one that you're willing to deal with. And so um, I think it's really important to value the people that are in your circle already, treasure them, create boundaries around them, right? And protect those relationships. I think, I think that's really important. Um, and, and, those, and they have to be the priority because everybody cannot be at a certain point. Yeah. You only have so much capacity. And it's sad to say, like, you know, I lost, you know, um, I lost somebody in my family. I don't expect you all to be as heavy as I am. In fact, you can't be because y'all got to be there to, like, help me out. Right. We can't have the same level, frankly, of care, of love, of compassion. Right. There's that human empathy and compassion. But you, you don't feel the same about everybody in the whole world. You just can't do that. Right. And so I think people they try to spread thin and be, and that, and that's when someone, you know, you, you hear, um, the, you know, the idea about being everything for everyone. Yeah. I think that's tied to that. And you got to realize I only got, but so much capacity, only so much I can give hell only so much I can take. And <laughs> you got to draw some lines around that. I, I think that's very important. I also think it's important to think about this idea of manhood and, and you, you all actually, uh, Kingpin Drake, y'all talked about it before, right? This idea of manhood. What what is it really? Yeah, because I think that what we end up doing. You hear people say it, man. I feel like I'm less than a man because because you lost a job. I feel like I'm less than a man because you're having maybe some sexual function problems. I feel like I'm less than a man because this, this person talked to me in a certain way, bro. Like manhood is what it is. Like you gotta wake up a man, and if you wake up a man. 
that's all you're going to be, right? Nobody can change that except you, right? And so I think that a lot of times we get, um, we get caught up in what we see on TV and what people say and what people are going to say and all that business. And we attach, you know, our manhood somehow to some outcome. Instead of waking up, hey, wake up, be a man, then do some th do things that men do, <laughs> right? But but not allowing circumstances to drive whether or not you feel like you're a man or not. Because in this life, bro, look, you're going to have problems, period. There's no way around it. You're going to fail, period. There are going to be some days where you don't feel like doing whatever it is you're supposed to be doing. Everybody has those days. But at the end of the day, what you are has to drive what you do. Like, you know what I mean? The outcome of what you do can't determine what you are, if that makes sense. Yeah. You got it's got it's gotta be I, I did a uh a presentation to to my young people today, uh talking about wreaths and I showed pictures of different types of wreaths. Uh one of them was kind of made of like toilet tissue rolls or whatever. I was like, is this still a reef? You know, it's circular in nature, is it still a reef? And I, I said, I said, hey, it really comes down to I said, so all of them have the same shape and dictionary characteristics of a wreath, but how much you value or whether you put it on your door depends upon what it's made of. Yeah. And I think for many of us to, to, to your point MP is man, we, we, we hang this wreath of this state decoration of manhood on our door, but we don't really know what it's made of. And it becomes just a sign with no substance or so much substance that it has no value. And, and we run our lives trying to add value to it because what it's made of has no value to us. And so I think to your point, like for me, the thing that what manhood is made of to me, it may be different than what it's made of to you. And that's okay because it's me, it's mine. It's, it's, it's not, I don't, we don't have shared manhood. And I think though, growing up, we've tried to, it was so stereotypical or um, it, it was so generalized in all of these other things that really didn't mean crap, man. How many, how many, how many chicks you cut? How many notches? How many, when I was real young, how many girlfriends you got? You know what I'm saying? Uh, as I grew older, did I have calluses on my hands? My uncle still to this day make fun of me because I got soft hands. Like, what what does that got to do with manhood? Like, <laughs> like, and and you know, if, if we be, if we keep it at one hundred, like I make I make a whole lot more than they've ever made. But I got soft hands. So, what does that mean? What mm. does that even mean? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, man. Like that manhood yeah. thing, man. We you know everything is so is so different, man. You know, big Drake all the time, you know, as he's sitting down there molding these young people, man, and trying to mold these these men up, man, you know, that battling every day and everyone else battle daily is different. You know what I mean? Than the next. And so, mm -hmm. like Big Drake, how do you help help have that conversation with those young men of of breaking those things that we were told uh about manhood or misinformed even about manhood? today as you as you're helping build that next generation of forget me of fathers husbands 
and and you know what I'm saying good people. Yeah. Well, it's it's two things. So either I'm talking to someone who doesn't have a father figure or doesn't have a male figure at all. So they're being raised by women and, you know, no knock on anybody, but you know, that, that, that is part of it. You know, that, that's part of it. Or the, the model that they have isn't a very good one. So I try to, for one, lead by example, but in having these conversations, you know, I have to be direct in, in, not so um like a ballpark figure. I can't when I when I when I'm talking to them, I, I give them specifics. Cause I had a, a a conversation with one of my coworkers because I'm a server. That's that's just who God made me. And I, I think yeah. part of, of, of being a man is, is being a, a being of service. Because you know that that book I was telling you about male versus man, it just simply talks about males look for people to serve them while men seek to serve others. That's good. Whether it's a kid, when I say a kid, I mean, you know, a college player, one of my players, uh, uh, anybody at the university, I always hold the door open for them. That's just, you know, that's just who I am. Yeah. And my my coworker, he's like, a man can hold his own door. I'm not holding the door open for a man. Well, that's, that's cool for you, but also let's not get this big bravado to where we can't be submissive to something because we all submissive. If we really look at it, like we're all supposed to be. But but beyond that, you know, we we, we talk about, and and I'm referring to him most. We talk about being a man and doing this and that, but we submissive to the head coach because we listen to what he say. We follow the direction he says, or we'll get fired. So let's. let's yeah. <laughs> You, you ain't running everything. Yeah, we, we can't run everything. So we have to be submissive to something. So in talking to them, I do talk about being faithful as young men because it's not a it's not like a, a, a switch. You can't say, oh, I'll stop when I get married. It doesn't work that way. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, being able to put others first and actually being able to reap rewards and see the benefits of being able to detach, not detach, but being able to put other people before your own well-being uh, in, in certain instances. Um, so I do talk to them about fatherhood. I do talk to them about being a married man and how you should conduct yourself. And one of the things that I, I wish we did more of at my um, specific school is really empowering empowering these kids beyond football as far as okay how do you wear a suit like a lot of times mm. like, the only coach on my staff that wears a suit to away games and it's not to show nobody up it's not to look better than anybody anytime somebody asks me why are you wearing that suit i'm saying i'm trying to show our young black men how to wear suits i'm how to show them how to care of themselves with pride how to care of themselves with with um confidence but not arrogance yeah you know how to tie a tie so <laughs> so little things like that uh what are we doing as far as prepping them for one day job interviews and as a coach that's my job i have this thing yeah. i say recruiting and i say it to parents i say it to kids I say after two or three years or however long, you know, our season is together. If the only thing you can say Coach Drake taught you was a pass rush move, I failed you as a black man. I failed yep. you. I failed you as your coach. 
So it has to be more than than what we've been taught. Like like you said, the I got so many girlfriends. I got this. I got that. Okay, but, but what quality and what substance is that teaching anybody else after you? <laughs> See, you got you got to do something more than. <laughs> Side note, this main man radio show, so y'all already know how this roll out. Uh, I was in, I was teaching my young people today, and I was showing this uh, song with Nick Cannon. Uh, it apparently come from some movie he, he cut a couple years ago, and he's he's doing do it, directing his youth choir. And I was like, that's what happened. Nick Cannon decided he wanted a, he wanted a youth choir, and he didn't <laughs> want to just direct one; he wanted his own choir. <laughs> hey, Nick passing that thing around like a cold boy. <laughs> Like, oh, what? Baby. What? What? You get a baby. You get a baby. What are you choir? I'm gonna make a you choir. So, <laughs> but it, but you know what, guys? It even that man, and I don't want to put words in that man's mouth. He he knows what he's uh, uh, he's his own man. I'm not gonna judge him on things like that. But there there are like we talk about that now, like it's crazy because everybody can see it because of social media and all this other type stuff. Dog, how many of us know new cats in the hood growing up that was Nick Cannon then? No, we just didn't, you know, you couldn't, you didn't have, you didn't have social media to know that he had 17 children. <laughs> but he had chicks on every street. You know what I'm saying? Hell, if we real honest, some of them was in the church. They did have a youth choir because they was, you know what I'm saying? Deacon Johnson was laying, was, was taking offering and communion to a whole lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't them uh, look us. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is a hundred percent true. Like you know, matter of fact, Nick Cannon got to step his game up compared to some of those cats. That's right. That's what he's trying to do right, but 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 you know, I think what Drake said is so important. It's just another little piece of of, and and it also gets at what Jay Wright was saying earlier. It's about going upstream, and because because we we in moments like this when somebody you know, in the public eye, you know, dies of suicide, or maybe somebody that you know personally dies of suicide. And we always talk about how to prevent suicide. I'm gonna say something to you all that may be surprising. I, I, I am a licensed clinical psychologist. Um, I'm, I, I must say I'm well-trained. <laughs> I'm really good at this, right? I mean, I, I went to a really good school um, and I had a really great mentor and we learned all about biology and psychology and social factors, all those things. But I would suggest to you that most people do not need somebody like me. What most people need is um, to learn how to build relationship, to learn all these simple mm -hmm. things growing up. Because by the time we get to the point where, I mean, you know, Twitch, he apparently by reports got hopped into an Uber went to a hotel, didn't tell anybody, put his phone on airplane mode. His decision was made at that point. So the question is not how do you change somebody's decision. The question is, how can you prevent that man from getting to that place in the first place where yeah. he chooses to reach out? He chooses early on to talk about all those things that maybe we talk about and it doesn't get to that point because there's somebody there and he knows how to share the weight, how to share the load, right? He gets to a point where maybe like, all you know, this idea, of, you know, I want to show you guys how to wear a suit. 
It sounds really simple, but how many things don't those young men know? How many things were they not given? And that stack, as you become an adult, the stack gets higher and you become more reticent, more reluctant to raise your hand and say, hey, I don't know what to do. Get you some of those coaches on on uh, Drake's staff don't know how to wear a suit themselves. I would never ask them. <laughs> so I think it's about what we do. They got clip-on ties. Upstream. You know what I'm saying? They got clip-on ties. Clip-on ties. Like, <laughs> clip-on ties and a shirt is too big and that blazer that they got to go to the whatever they went to back in the day, right? It's. I think early on, you have to teach boys and young men how to how to not know how to find answers like how to connect with each other because to the extent that you don't do that they're getting information they're getting away yeah. and that way is probably not going to be to their benefit and, and i think the you know the benefit of what drake does and i love what what jay wright does too you know with his talking cast uh, C-H-I-T. Uh, <laughs> Sugar Hunter. What well, I spelled it. Yeah, I yeah, Sugar Hunter. I see it. Well, I mean, oh, yeah, cat, talk cash. Sure uh, <laughs> <little bit. laughs> well, they know where to find me now. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> But but even what he does in, in his conversation about financial literacy and how he makes it make sense for us, and you know what I'm saying, and not not the Dave Ramsey way, and but the, the, the June bug and peanut way, you know what I'm saying? But it what it does, though, it creates something just like Big Drake showing them, uh, you know, when they ask that question or they decide to emulate him and put that suit on for the first time, but they need to come to his office so he can help them tie the tie. What that starts to do and what I try to do, even as a youth pastor, I don't go in building relationships with my young people asking, hey, how can I help better your life with Christ today? That's not what my question is. My question is, hey, you got you gonna give me a basketball schedule or not? Because I'm gonna show up for a game or so. You know what I'm saying? You gonna give me a track schedule so I can show up for the game? Because what I found is, and I think this is what you were alluding to as well, uh, MP, is once once we once 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 they have that relationship with Drake, that he they're comfortable acknowledging to him that they don't know how to tie a tie, and he teaches them how to tie a tie. The next time they baby mama call and they want to go off, they may be more reluctant, more more apt to give Big Drake a call and say, Coach Drake, I also don't know how to deal with her. Can you help me deal with her? Or when they get the news that their mama got cancer, it may come and say, Coach Drake, I don't know how to deal with this emotion. Because I remember Coach Drake didn't judge me when I said I didn't know how to tie a tie. A I remember when Minister G was in the stands for me cheering at the game. Or when I missed that shot and when I saw him at church, he only talked about the good things and encouraged me through the bad. Oh, he didn't judge me with that. So maybe now when that 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 thing happens, he's not gonna judge me for this either. And I think that's so vitally important that we build not just it's great if we can build it young and some of us are in the areas where we can do it young but for men we don't have that safe space so how do we deal with men that were never taught that opportunity to do that hey i i want to share a video 
uh, with you guys. If you haven't seen it, I really wanted to get it for you fresh and crew. Sharing it, I don't know if this will make us not be able to post this video out. I don't really care, whatever. I should be able to post the audio. But maybe Dr. Mike does this type of stuff more. He can show me how I need to tag it or whatever so I can get him credit so I can still post the whole post our whole episode the out have there. a reference page. Yeah, okay. I'll just put me a reference page and tell him where to go to the video. But I do want to share this video. Hey, this is a conversation being had by Charlemagne the God uh, and Jay Bryant. Uh, on a, on a, on a recent episode, I think it's on Charlemagne show, uh, probably this weekend. Jay Bryan is is going around uh, even before this, you know, uh, Stephen's death, um, but but talks a lot about mental health and talks about uh, just kind of reclaiming us as men and talking and having that conversation and not being afraid to have the conversation. But I think this clip was very profound to me and it brought up a lot of questions and things that I wanted to, to talk to you guys a little bit about. So let me share this real quick. Let me see if I can make this work uh, real fast. And, and it's only a couple of minutes uh, in doing this. Um, let's see if my, see if it's still up. Okay. Well, nope, nope. See, there, there we go. All right, here we go. I wanted to say, Jay, like, you know, when you hear about these situations where people actually do complete suicide, how does that make you feel being that you survived it twice? Oh, transparently, um, I think sometimes there is a bit of survivor's guilt, mm. and that's if, if I'm being transparent. Um, but then there's an appreciation for my survival because uh, I, I went to therapy and then I began to go through this healing process and I went back to school and became a therapist and I began sharing with brothers and began sharing with the world because as Dr. Alfie said, uh, the system, and even when you study mental health, it wasn't for black people. Right. You know, mental health was for rich white men. Mm -hmm. uh, and so from uh, a system perspective, uh, I feel that it's my purpose and I feel that it is a, it is a God-given gift that he's given me on how to communicate that language. Because the reality of it, man, is brothers don't have the language. Mm -hmm. And people always tell me how you feel, tell me how you feel, but I don't know. You know, when I've seen brothers in practice, it's you have to give them the, the emotional chart to identify what their emotions are. And most of us, we only know Jesus how to identify Christ. with anger. Yeah. And the reality of it is anger is a very low-hanging fruit. And so it's hard for brothers to even say, what is joy? Mm. I was in my late 30s before I was able to say I knew what happiness was. Mm. Because most of us have had to bear the burden of our family, had to bear the burden of expectations. And we live in a world where there's a lot expected of us. And then if you feel that you can't perform, uh, you, you feel like, well, well, what is my reason for here? Mm -hmm. And performing is, ex is, is exhausting. Hey, so, so he said, there's two things I really want to hit on. One, the thing that I really, really love that he said early on, he said, many of us don't even have the language and what to say about doing it. And man, that hit me um, very profoundly, I think, when I, I, I saw this other uh, last week, um, because I, I have sought out therapy. Um, uh, because And I sought out therapy for myself individually, as well as for my family, not because we had any issues, but I didn't want some stuff to manifest. And it was something that I acknowledged is I realized I didn't know how to communicate. I didn't know how to communicate how I felt. And subsequently, I didn't know how to hear how my kids felt. And so I sought out some help 
because I wanted to be a better father for my boys because I didn't want them to get to 42 and still not know how to share how they feel and still not know how to talk about some of the things that, you know, it's been 30, 35 before I start being comfortable sharing and, you know what I'm saying, and start into this space. Um, how, how did that hit, man, for y'all about the, the piece anyway, talking about we not even having the language to say how we feel? J-Bo, what, what was your thoughts about that, man? It's it's funny um, that he said that, and you know I have not seen that clip until now. But um, my same childhood friend that I said was my therapist, and vice versa. We were tight. I mean, tight. If you saw me, you saw him. And then we had a situ. We we had some stuff happen in life, and. Personally, I didn't like the way stuff was handled, right? So I was just like, you know what? I'm done. Like, you ain't being reliable to me. And there was some important stuff going on in my life. You weren't there. So I was just like, all right, you know what? He ain't calling me. I ain't calling him. And that went on for like three or four years. Like, we literally did not talk to each other. And it just started weighing on me that I needed to reach out to him. And, and I did. and. I mean, we talked on the phone for like five hours at that point. It was like nothing ever happened. But I did have to tell my friend, like, hey, the way you were getting down then, it hurt me. And I'm like, I I was like, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to I didn't want to have this big blow up. Because like he said, the low hanging fruit was anger. So in my head, it was like instead of me just because if I talk to him, I'm going to just let loose. I'm going to just walk away. And we said we needed to say it was in a it was in a, a positive, constructive manner, and we still tight to this day. But he said something to me um, recently, and we were talking about how black men and black people attack each other. And he said, you know, one of the problems I see with mainly with men is that we cannot, as a man, just tell another man, you hurt my feelings. That, so before that we part. do all of that, <laughs> it, we take it to like nuclear level because we just can't admit that my friend disappointed me or my friend hurt my feelings. And I was like, he's right, because I didn't take it to the nuclear level, but I cut him off because my feelings, my feelings were hurt. And it and it was legitimate. It wasn't no, it wasn't nothing petty. But I could have just had that conversation and just told him, like, the way you're moving right now, I don't agree with that. And we could have just had that tough conversation instead of us just being on hiatus for, like, four years. So I think, like, as men being able to just – I don't have all the vocabulary to express everything, but you know what? If we tight, I should be able to tell you I'm angry with you or I'm disappointed with you, and it shouldn't lead to – us like literally having it out we should just be able to talk about it and, and we don't yeah i think you said you you know, to say to even to say you hurt my feelings does two things one it acknowledges i have feelings which that those are <laughs> those are let me almost say how i grew up them female tendencies you got all, all you emotional your old emotional thing you know what i'm saying like i used to have to go behind the truck or behind the job if my granddad hurt my feelings and I need to cry, 
some of them my uncles wouldn't see me because they called me soft and they called me some other stuff that p word and all that stuff you know what i'm saying like because i could that was a female tendency to, to be able to do that so acknowledging you hurt my feelings and or for many of us feeling like to tell you you did that gives you power over me because now you you alter how i how i feel big drake what you think about about that clip about even just the the, the having you know, you you your your background, your your uh, degree is in psychology as well. So you've dealt a lot and studied in college the the human emotion and all human how we move and all that type of stuff. How how did how did how did that hit for you about not having the words to even express how we feel? I think that's one hundred percent accurate, and it reminds me of kind of like the 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 suit and tie thing. Sometimes I just get a feeling and so, a lot of times I'm doing it for myself because I'm away from my family. I need some emotional connection. So I say, everybody get up. I come to the front of the room and I would literally hug each one of my players. And I hugged one kid one time and it was the most awkward hug I've ever shared with anybody. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I, I said, Mike, what the hell is wrong with you, man? He said, coach. I've never hugged a man before. Bam. So just that alone resonated with me. And I'm like, okay, so now, okay, God, I appreciate you. I thank you for this moment because I'm thinking I need something. I'm missing my family. I'm missing my wife. I'm missing my boys. So I'm reaching out to them to, to, to gain that connectivity and bam, it's a message that I need to give this young man. It's not for me. It's really for him because a couple months later, he was getting ready to be a father. So, you know, I joked it off for a second, but after the meeting, after practice, I just really prayed about it and I thought about it. And I'm like, he doesn't know, so I have to show him. Yeah. And, and that's what, what all of us, when when our counterparts, meaning our friends, our family, when we, when we don't know, when they don't know, but we do know, we have to show them. So every day I hugged him. Every day I hugged him. Then it came a part where he was seeking me for the hug because he became comfortable. And I will, and Kingpin, you know I'm a very private person, but sometimes yeah. um, when, when I'm around my players, I open up and I talk to them. I say, hey, we've been told black men cannot have feelings. It's okay for us to have feelings. And yeah. we've been told the only reason <clears throat> be angry because that's what black guys do. But no, we can be intelligent. We can um, think. We can read books. I share books with some of my players. You know what I mean? But yeah. if, if they don't know, we have to show them because I thought about if Mike can't hug me, how's he going to hug his child? Yeah. And so how does the cycle ever get broken? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in my little small little, you know, my, my, my little small ministry, if you want to call it that. I do talking about having feelings, being able to express truthfulness without being ugly, nasty, or belittling. Because you know, you know that that thing they say, not no cap, no cap. Just yeah. Means, but hey, you, you can yeah, it's your teammate, and it's your dude, but you ain't gotta be nasty, dog. Come on now, let's let's yeah. calm it down. Let's just talk it out, and we'll figure out the best course of action. Yeah. That's good. MP, how, how did that that piece, that clip, I, I, I think you've sent me some Jay Bryant stuff too, so I, I know, I don't know if it's just recently you started seeing some of his stuff too. Uh, I don't know if you had saw that clip as well before or heard him talk about that. Uh, but, you know, even in, in your profession, 
uh, in, in your past, the, you know, the, the language piece, uh, how did that resonate for you? Yeah, I, I've never seen that clip. Um, but this idea of language is, you know, if there's, if there's one common theme that shows up in virtually every, every case I've seen, it's about language. It's about being able to talk about what you're feeling, what you're feeling, like how you feel. And, and people, it, it amazes me how we don't have words. If I say, okay, how you feel? Or tell that person right there how you feel or how you felt when that thing happened, right? And they'll be like, well, you know, I feel like, you know, you disrespect me. I feel like you could have done that different. Well, I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> like, no, how did you feel? Well, I feel like, you know, I want, no, no, you're talking too much. When I ask you how you feel. One or two words. going to be a word, maybe two. Yeah. yeah. And you can elaborate on that. But that's one or a couple, two words that are based in things like you feel happy, you feel sad, you feel angry, excited, et cetera, right? Um, and, and very often it's true, like you got to give people a list and show those people where those words exist on that continuum and get them to begin practicing using the words about how I feel. Because a lot of times, and, and one of the things that gets under my skin, it it makes me just, er, it, I bristle when I hear people talk about touchy-feely, right? First of all, what are we in, like preschool? What are you saying right now? Like, well, I don't like that touchy-feely stuff. Well, stop it, right? Because emotions are just part of being a human being. It's in the package, whether you like it or not. And what happens is we run from this idea of emotion or they say, hey, you're being emotional. Well, what is that? Because at any given time, you're expressing an emotion. Right. Whether you want to give it a name or not, you're expressing it, you're feeling it. And so the guys are right. Anger tends to be the one that people cling to no matter what. If it's a negative feeling, anger tends to be the one we run to. Why? Because we don't lose any of that power we think we have, any of that strength mm. we think we're demonstrating. Right. It's OK to be angry. But say you hurt my feelings. Well, now I'm soft. Right. Well, were your feelings hurt or not? Your feelings were hurt. Whether you say it or not. Right. You would have got angry if your feelings wouldn't hurt. <laughs> is you're feeling something in any, any given time. And, and so it's important to help people to give them words and language for those feelings because you can't, if, if you can't identify it, if you don't recognize it when it comes along, or you're not willing to in yourself, what you're going to do is generally disregard that in other people. Like, so when your wife needs you to see that she's hurt. When your kids need you to see that they're sad, that they're afraid, et cetera, and you've been running from all that stuff, what you're going to try to do is like tag them, judge them, run them away from. Oh, don't you don't have to don't feel that way. Like my own, actually, I won't, I won't, I won't, nope, I won't give you the name or the relation. <laughs> but there's somebody in my family right now when tears start flowing, he's like, no, 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 don't cry. You don't, no, no, stop. You don't, no, cry because. <laughs> There's a come here, let me hug right you now. and let you give, let me let you crawl on my shoulder. Come on, right? <laughs> Let's get it out. <laughs> go in closer. What we try to do is yeah. run, right? Yeah. We try to give them give them that stiff arm. One of them vicious. <laughs> what are stiff stiff arms more vicious now than they have been in the past? They seem pretty vicious right now. <laughs> but we give people the stiff arm because it's like, oh no, I'm I'm feeling that thing, right? Emotion is is really interesting because I think it is a place where people can meet 
at the very same place, the very same time and not say a word, but you know, yeah. you just feel it. Right. <clears throat> and so a lot of people, when that feeling is there and it should be there, we'll push away from it. And in doing so, um, we are creating a cycle and a pattern. Right? Yeah. And so I think it's really important to be able to receive love so you can share it. Because if you can't receive it, you ain't got nothing to share, frankly. Right. And so um, I think that's it's really important to get to a place where we can have a language that explains how we feel, be okay talking about it, um, be okay sharing it. And there's something else that, that I was, when I was looking at the video that, that occurred to me, and I think it's been reinforced here as well. And that's this idea of transparency, being able to, to uh, if there's somebody who is, who is in hiding, so to speak, right? There's another brother who's, who's struggling and they're afraid about what people are going to say. We can talk all we want to about what they could do and should do, but they're not going to come out of hiding until they see another dude who's being transparent. Yep. There's something that when you, you know it, when you see it, right? That, that, oh, that guy's real. I could connect with that. He's, he understands what, what I've, what I've, what I'm going through, what I've been through, what I'm feeling. He gets it. But if, if there's no transparency, transparency from somebody that, that is able to share those things, then people just stay in hiding. I think that's, you know, for, I know for me that that's been the biggest piece of ministry for me uh, in youth ministry, as well as men's ministry, uh, is I tell too much of my business and I'm okay with that. Uh, and man, but I remember uh, so very vaguely, I mean, not vaguely, but, but so very vividly, I was, <laughs> uh, there was another young minister. Uh, he was an older cat. He was a little bit older, um, but he was young in ministry. And uh, man had lived a, you know, cat out of the club life you know, whatever. And he was very adamant. He'd always put that, you know, he put it out there, man. He still dance in churches, everything. Just a great spirit, you know, type guy. But man, he was preaching a sermon one Sunday and, you know, he got so into the spirit, he shared some stuff in the pulpit. And, you know, man, he shared some stuff that made me think like for weeks afterwards, like, did he realize that he just said that like to the whole church? Uh, like stuff like, <laughs> like, um, like shed, you know, when he was really way out there, uh, things that may have happened uh, in, you know, with, with not with females and not with males either. Um, <laughs> Oh no! Oh my goodness! That's a problem. I was in the pulpit that Sunday with him, and he preaching. I'm like, oh yeah, amen, praise. And then he hit that with us. Preach, preacher, preach. I just got him. God is uh, able. Mm, okay. Yeah. But it's probably basically here. But I say that to say though, but you know what, guys? There was nothing in my life that could have ever happened from that moment forward that I would not feel comfortable calling him. <laughs> He'd be like, hey dog, look, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> 
It is, uh, you know, y'all know I have to give you a biblical references there. Hey, you know, the scripture from Paul, when Paul talks about, he, he uses that tagline in the scripture of sinners, I am chief. And I think that's what made Paul a prolific preacher, though, is because Paul was saying, dog, ain't nothing you, gonna, you can say you've done that was worse than who I was. And so that level of transparency creates a new comfort level. You know what I'm saying? And you know what? I was so, you know what I was really amazed at? I was in awe that he said that and I it wasn't phased. Like I would have been looking around the church like, oh my God, God, why did you make me say that? And who who heard me? Can they delete that from the you know, from the video and, you know, all that stuff. And like, but he was, it's not that now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We never had another conversation about that. But nonetheless, I think that transparency, though, really helps, you know what I'm saying, is something that creates uh, in doing that. And it creates avenues now for people to be able to share uh, and be able to talk about other stuff now with you. Um, because they know you're not being fake. And you ain't got to share those dark secrets. With them. But I'm just saying, when it comes to that level, it really helps a lot with, with the conversation. And now what people are being are willing or more open to, to being able to, to say to you. Hey, there, there was other... Uh, go ahead, go ahead, MP. No, I was just going to say, I think at, at the point at which you kind of own that story and you and you've come to terms with it, and you come to terms with God with it, and whoever, may, maybe you hurt somebody or whatever, once you really understand what has happened, how it's happened, and you take take ownership of that, nobody can use it against you. Yeah. And that's why he was able to stand up, stand up there and just boom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because, <laughs> and, you, and you know, uh, you know, PG, you know, I, you know, been through some stuff, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, and some, some things that um, almost destroyed my marriage. And so it took us years to work through that. But there was a point where we knew, like my wife and I knew that it was time for us to tell this story publicly and then to write about it publicly. And we talk about it all the time now, right? And there's nothing anybody can do to use that story to hurt us, right? And so I, I think it's a, that when you hit that level of transparency, you know how God is using that because the word does tell us that that we know that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord, who are, who are called according to his purpose, right? Once you begin to understand what that purpose is and you start working in that, there's nothing anybody can do with you and your story. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to let you just kind of slide past that, man. Go and shout out the fact that you and your wife wrote a book. Uh, your wife has wrote a couple of books. <laughs> so go ahead and get, get them the title of that book, man. You ain't, you got you ain't got no one laying around there in the office nowhere, do you? <laughs> um, no, actually, well, I'm, yeah, I'm not, if I were in my office, I would, but I'm not in my office. But the, the book is called When, W-H-E-N, When. It's a story of marriage is what, what it's called. Um, it's on Amazon. You can find it. And, and you understand the title as soon as you begin to, to open the book, the book and flip through it. But it really it's not just a story of, hey, we were married and we get in and there was trouble and all that. But it walks you back. Like from my perspective, my childhood and how I walked into adulthood and became the man that married Wendy and the same for her, how she how she grew up and who the, and who these people were that met and came together. And so it I think it, it it's a multi layered mm -hmm. account of how life can impact you and how 
you can go into life a certain way, right? And um, that maybe doesn't work, but God is good, right? And, and you, so you're able to then um, change the trajectory, not only of your life, but maybe of generations. What, we, what we're doing yeah. is breaking generational cycles, right? And we can actually see the fruit of that beginning to emerge even now while we're still living. And so I think it's amazing. Yeah. Hey, go pick that up, man. It's an absolutely phenomenal book, and I'm not a reader. Uh, and so uh, if I tell you I read it, uh, that, that's, <laughs> that, that says a lot in and of itself, uh, j j just for that piece. <laughs> hey, so um, th there was one other thing that he said in that, um, in that clip uh, that really, really hit me. Uh, and I, I saw another meme, and it may have even been by him as well, um, but I think it actually was. Uh, but I want to throw this at you guys and, and, and get your take on this one as well. He said, um, you know, he talked about performance and performing. And one of the clip, the, the meme or, or whatever quote I saw this week says, men aren't killing themselves because they don't desire to live any longer. Men are killing themselves because they don't desire to perform any longer. Men aren't killing themselves because they no longer want to live. Men are killing themselves because they no longer want to perform. How does that hit for you, man? <clears throat> who who wrote that? Um, do you know who wrote that? I don't know who wrote it. Like I said, mm -hmm. I think Jay Jay Pope Jay Bryant put that one out as well. Um, mm -hmm. I think I even I think I even put it in my I posted it out this week because uh, it 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 really was a it was it was it was heavy for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I think that if if you look at people who ultimately take their life or try to, um, there's a couple of um, things that run through most of the time. Um, you often hear about this sense of hopelessness, but what you don't often hear about necessarily is the sense of uh, burdensomeness, like somehow me or something I've done is a burden on the people around me and therefore they will be better off without me. Um, and so if, if that is tied to performance in, in any way, I think it is tied to this idea of failure to perform in, a, in an appropriate way, in a way that shows that you're winning, in a way that sets your family up in a way that you're supposed to because you're a man and this is your job and this is what you, this is what you do. You're supposed to be able to do that. And by the way, um, the performance thing is on steroids present day because we are so connected to everybody and yeah. whatever they're showing us, right? I can show you I'm winning really more easily than I can win. <laughs> right? if, if you look at our, you know, and when I come home, people are like, oh my goodness, you know, world traveler. And I and I'm like, y'all, for real, it's it's social media. I, I I can drop it in in a way that makes it look really amazing, right? And so we tend to, and we know it, and we all know it, but somehow what we see out there is supposed to be more realistic or more real than what we're actually living. And so now we begin to compare ourselves to what we see and and evaluate ourselves and our success by what we see. 
we do it with money. We do it with marriage. We do it with like the job. And, you know, it's like in that sense, social media may be the worst thing to ever happen to human beings in terms of how we see ourselves. Yeah. I, I'm going to catch you there, Mike, because, you know, and I, I, I catch it. My boys probably won't, won't agree that it's a good thing. Uh, but but I'm one of the different parents. My kids do not have cell phones. Um, my oldest, who is 22 now, didn't get his first cell phone until he was 16. I have a 14, fixing to be 15, and I have a just turned 13 year old, and neither of those two have cell phones. And I catch it every time. It's always on their wish list, and we always have a conversation. Blah 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 blah. But I, you know, I've been very firm in just what you said. Hey, what I've equipped them with or what I've not given them is they don't have access to the competition that never exists any that never existed anyway. And so they don't have this access to the world of things to live up to that aren't even factual, <laughs> that are a snapshot in time. And can, can I, I can believe I jump in on that prayer? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, so it's it's funny um, that Dr. Perry brought that up because a, as y'all were talking, I was sitting there thinking like, what is like define failure actually? For like for most people, define failure. And it, it's something for the most part financial. So I, you know, I'm a I'm a licensed financial advisor. People who don't know that might be listening to this. This is what I do for a living. And I was talking to one of my friends heading over here to do this Zoom. And I was telling him that if I were to poll everybody, all my clients, and ask them financially, how do you feel? I would not get a lot of positive responses regardless of how well they're actually doing, regardless of how well I tell them they're doing, and I can show them on paper, you are on track to hit all your financial goals. They will still feel like financially, I'm coming up short. And I told my buddy, I said, we're in a society now where I literally have clients who can tell me they make 80, 90, $100,000, and they will literally say, I don't make that much. And I'm like, 70% of the country makes less than 50 a year. But the people who are making double that are saying, I don't make that much. I have clients who have just liquid cash, investments, all of that, they make really good money, and they come to me and they're like, I feel like I'm behind. And I'm like, it's got to be social media. It's got to be the reality shows that are showing these people walking around, buying expensive purses like Birkenbag. We really should not even know what a Birkenbag is as a regular <laughs> working everyday individual. But now we've somehow gotten to the idea that if you don't buy a woman a $15,000, $20,000 bag, that you're a broke boy. And I'm sitting here like, First of all, the people on those reality shows, the networks are giving them the houses for, for the season that they're taping. Social media, everybody's rich. Everybody's marriage is great. Everybody's happy. 
And we know that's not real, but we still let that affect our idea of what performance is or what failure is. Everybody's going to Dubai. Everybody's taking <laughs> trips to Europe. And if anybody's actually done any of that, you know how rare it is to do that for the simple fact that it's just a cost attached to that, that the average person can't pay that plus go, you know, pay for school for their kids, pay for their housing, pay for, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, 30 years ago, like we, we grew up in the 80s and 90s, who was going, who was going to Europe? Nobody. I mean, seriously. Our the Huxtables weren't even going to, to, to West College, but that was, the, that was our model black family. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, your, your, your family vacation was, you got in the car and you went and saw your auntie. That's or you right. went and saw grandma. That was Wherever it. Wherever that was. That's right. And and I told my buddy, I said, I got I on the church somebody, bus to Six Flags <laughs> once a year. There you go. That's it. <laughs> and, I, and I told my buddy, I said, um, I, I heard somebody say, and it's, it's escaping me now who said it, but they were saying, like, we, we have more stuff from a materialistic standpoint. We have more stuff than we've ever had. And we're the most depressed we've ever been. Yep. And I'm like, that's saying something. And, and it's telling me that I better pour more into my relationships. Yep. Like the actual people around me that keep me grinding, keep me centered versus, you know, what kind of car am I driving or am I going on this trip? Because I saw somebody else going on this trip. You don't know that they were there. There are literally people paying to be photoshopped into exotic locations to make it seem like they're living this life. And I'm like, how how sad of an existence are we living where people are really paying to be photoshopped into something just to get people they don't know to click a thumbs up button. Yeah. And you can't and, and, win you can't win that fight. No. And I think I think Jay, you made a good tie to to a Mike was talking. And and Mike, um, you know, let me make sure I read Jay. It, it came from Jay Bryant. Barnett, I'm sorry, I keep saying Brian, it's Barnett. Uh, but the quote was very poignant because he, he did put what you mentioned on the tail end of that. The quote exactly says, men are not dying by suicide because they don't want to live. They're dying because they feel they can no longer perform and there is no use for them. And so I, I think I think, you know, just to the point of what you guys just said is the world, everything is flooding us with with this new performance anxiety. Uh, and I saw a clip from um, Stephen Furtick talking to a group of young people. And one of the, the young ladies asked him, um, what do you think that we have now that God never intended for us to have? And he, he was like, social media. He was like, I, I do not believe the Lord would have ever intended for us to do it. He said, because, and he related it to performance anxiety. The very same word he said. It, he said. So, as a preacher, I'm supposed to have performance anxiety. He's like, I get on stage in front of thousands. It is what I'm called to do, to perform. And so, there is a level of anxiety that comes with that. He said, and I accepted that when I accepted my calling to do this. He said, but everyday people should not be having the same performance anxiety as me, the preacher, the head of the church has on a daily basis. And it's because we feel like we're performing for the entire world to see. 
you know, I, t- I told Drake, you know, some people's comments weren't, weren't nice. And uh, one I read, I literally had to put my phone down because it pissed me off about Steven. Um, and and then some of them were related to, to just, oh, you've been bojangling for, for all these white folks or whatever they want to say and dancing and all that type of stuff. And, and you know, as we're having this conversation, you know, I guess it kind of comes back to me. I'm like, but <laughs> Ninja, ain't a lot of us bojangling? That's the problem. Like, that's the problem. You you talking about this man like he was doing it for a change. This man was just like me and you. He had something he was passionate about, he was good at, he liked doing. And oh, guess what? It also paid his damn bills and fed his family. It took and provided for his for his for his wife and his kids. He hit the lottery. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like he was able to combine those things into something to provide for his family for. So I took very a lot of offense for that to the because if we being honest about our real feelings, man, a lot of us are bojangling every day. We're performing for something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Something that we ain't gonna never live up to. And that if we honest, hell ain't even real. <laughs> That's right. That stuff ain't even real, man. So and I, I don't know. I was gonna say this. It was um it was a, a it was kind of a, a documentary on Netflix called I wanna say I wanna say it's called The Social Dilemma. I but it talks is. have you seen it? I haven't, but I think okay. I know. I think that's what it's called. It it they interview people who were like some of the original engineers and programmers at like Google, Facebook, all that stuff, and they're viewing them, but then they're having people act out their scenarios. But what they're showing is how we don't understand what we're really doing to our brains. They have studied the human brain and how it reacts to certain things, and they know how the to dopamine release. <laughs> They know how to present things to you that will trigger you to keep you on that app. And their goal is to have a certain amount of engagement time strictly so that they can understand your tendencies, your triggers, so that they can sell that to an advertiser. And it's literally ruining people all in the name of trying to sell you more stuff, which would go back now to the to the financial performance anxiety of it all and i'm on social media i mean if y'all any of y'all know me y'all know i'm on social media but i'm on there i'm on there getting off these jokes like ain't, ain't nothing serious <laughs> going on on social media with me like if, if you getting on my social media and you need like some deep thought-provoking stuff this sorry, ain't it wrong channel wrong follow it, it ain't even gonna happen now you want to get you want to see some ignorant stuff maybe want to see somebody get body slammed a little bit yeah come holler at me i got i got that but i am not logging on there because i understand it's not real there are people on here lying it's a whole lot more people lying than it is people on there just being their authentic self because the reality of it is is who's going to get on social media and be like, yep, 60 days behind on that mortgage? Yeah. Putting numbers up. Post that eviction notice. Yeah. Man, they gonna they gonna lock the door tomorrow. Yeah, just like just like uh-huh. Another one. Repo. Like nobody's doing that. 
and we and people are getting people are really getting caught up on that yeah and it's not healthy and and if if y'all have a chance man go go on netflix and watch that because it is absolutely scary what is when you peel those layers back what's actually going on inside these apps and what they were truly designed to do and that's from somebody who's a, a daily user but it is absolutely scary how they how much they understand about how our minds and our and our physiological responses are to something that they can present to the point where they showed a kid in the mall who went on a social media fast and they knew what would get him to get back on Facebook was to show him that some girl he liked was in the mall and she checked in because you know you can check in. So it was like, hey, Cindy just checked in. Why don't you see what she's doing? And of course, first thing that teenage kid did was pick that phone back up. And now they got him again. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I have what, I have what you would consider to be uh, a classic um, um, psycho- psychology education, um, you know, PhD. And so in it, what that means is there's, if you follow back like my mentor and his mentor or whatever, there's a lineage that you become a part of. And um, my lineage, you know, my, 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 my mentor is uh, Neil Grumberg. He is the guy who, um, who basically did the research that, that told us that nicotine is addictive, for example. And he wrote the Surgeon General's report for that back in like 1980 or something. Um, he was a student of Schachter, who was a, a student of, I think, Fessinger, who was a student of Levine or whatever. Those guys are um, responsible for the work that we know as social psychology, right? And, and in particular, social facilitation. Why do people do what they do? And a lot of that work began like with rats, right? A lever, a pellet of food and a light and beginning to understand how you can shape and pattern behavior, right? You know, first predict it, then be able to shape it and direct it and beginning and then begin to apply that in, in ways to the human um, race or whatever to um, do all sorts of things, you know. We're talking warfare, right? We're talking marketing, right. of course. Um, we're talking church. We're talking a lot of things that if you begin to peel back the layers, there are ways to drive behavior. And what is and what what we've done with artificial intelligence is to be able to predict that behavior and really like find fine-tune that bad boy so I know what you're going to do when you're going to do it and if, if you and if your behavior changes to do exactly what Jeff talked about that intervention that's going to get you to drive to, that's going to drive whatever <clears throat> behavior is again so why is that important with regard to performance well if you think about it right what I think what we used to believe is that people value things like money right but yeah. we got billions of people who value <laughs> this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you serious? I can get somebody to act a complete fool, to do all kinds of things they never do, to stand on the edge of a, of a, of a cliff with a mild drop to get a picture for this. Yep. 
performance, right? That reinforcement, right? One thumbs up, two, 1,000 followers, 5,000, 10,000. It's never enough <clears throat> because we're human beings. And once we, we hit that high, that pinnacle is like, yeah, we, I did it. I got a million followers. But guess what? If you look at Facebook analytics, you think it's there to show you the data, right? So you can make decisions. No, what it's there to show you is like, okay, who well, you peaked today and now you drop back down. You got to do something else. Got to get it up. To get that bad boy back up. And, and Mike, we've taken it to another level. Mm-hmm. We've now, back to your original thing of what people you thought draw people, we've now monetized it for you. So now I've given you an additional thing as to why you can say you go after this. And we've created celebrity status just behind how many people get this and how many of these they get. All of those are to still tie back into that social experiment of how to keep you going. You know what I mean? (laughs) And by the way, we've all got Alexa in our house. I hope you all know that Alexa is listening to you. I don't. I don't. I don't want to be like a conspiracy theorist or anything. I'm telling you, there's, a, there's. A, I forget the term, but there's a term for it, where, like, they can't legally. I think right now they can't legally use the data they get, but they will. <laughs> right? Oh, they can't. Let them. They can't. Yeah. Alexa has gotten somebody sent to jail. They pulled. The, <laughs> they pulled the transcript. I kicked her out my house. Strict no snitching policy in my house. Alexa and Google, I kicked them out. Now we got Siri, but Siri is encrypted and Siri stay on your device. Alexa and Google, they snitches. No question. Big Jake, what you used to say, man? There's this um, TV movie slash series on Netflix. I think it's called Black Mirror. Excuse me. And it's a series, and they got like six or seven seasons. But each show is independent of its own. It's not something that, well, I got to watch season one, I got to watch season two. But it's all taboo stuff to, to a certain degree. And yeah. the one episode to kind of kind of correlate to what everybody's talking about right now is everything in life was depicted off of likes. What school you went to, the groceries you were able to buy, getting a home loan. So anytime you met somebody or had any interaction with them on the phone, like they they came, it, it came up to where you can put, you know, five-star rating, two-star rating. So people were being overfake to make sure they got enough ratings to be able to apply for a home loan to buy a house. And um, I, I encourage everybody to watch, but it, it just showed how, we are being brainwashed. I have been brainwashed. And, and Mike knows this. Everything to, to change behavior is all about reinforcements, whether it's positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. You reinforce the positive behavior. You give negative reinforcements for the, the, the behavior you want to change and so on and so on. And that's what they're doing. To, to, yeah. To, yeah. They're just giving <laughs> positive reinforcement to continue the behavior that they want, which is to be like this more often. Yep. Yeah. Carpet tunnel and everything else. <laughs> it's true. I'm, I'm telling a quick true story because what we're talking about is creating like a token economy, right? Adding value to something that, that previously had no value. Yeah. Um, I used to do training way back in my career. Um, we, we run these training 
um, um, events for doctors, nurses, PAs um, from all the military services. And I was responsible for orchestrating that program. And I wanted to try something different in order to, to incentivize people to do the things we wanted them to do while in training for about two weeks. And so um, I created, and y'all don't think ill of me, based on what I said earlier, you might, you might, but I created what I call, <laughs> call Perry Bucks, right? It was simply some photocopy, little money looking things. I think I put, I, I didn't put my picture on it, but I think I put like <laughs> in Perry request. It was, it was crazy anyway, but I gave that to all of my trainers. And I'm like, hey, if you see somebody doing something, hit them up with a Perry buck, right? And so at the end of the week, we'll find something to, to give these folks or whatever. By day four, people had lost their mind. Like on Monday, Perry bucks, they didn't know what it was, had no value. By Thursday, absolute lost their mind. Like, oh, you didn't give me one for this. You didn't give me one for that. Oh, it's not fair that they got it for this. And it was mayhem by the end of two weeks. It was, I only did it one time because it was crazy. <laughs> Right. And they were hitting up my people like, hey, you know, like, give me, give me my pair. It was crazy. All we did was add value to it by saying, hey, we're going to, if you do something that we believe is good, we're going to give you one. And this thing, you'll be able to exchange for something else later. Boom. That was it. Don't know what the later is. Don't know what the exchange is. Something. No clue. They just wanted to win. Uh, did you invent the NFT? <laughs> no, I was ahead of my time. Yeah, it was that. Yeah, that's, that's I what... what I had. <laughs> it sounds like a textbook definition of an NFT. <laughs> I had no idea what I had. It's monopoly money, man. Uh, hey, and I, so I think I think you know as I as I bring us to a close, guys. I, I think um, I think even even that, you know, when we talk about this, um, you know, you know why you know we start our conversation talking about. You know, even us us being able to have that inner circle of those people uh, that you can talk to and actually be real and have real conversations and not just yes people. We talked about even sometimes being able to seek the professional help, but even in, and that may not fit for everybody. Everybody doesn't maybe necessarily need that, but you got to have people in your corner. And a part of that conversation is being able to uh, transparency and and create that sense of of um, people feel comfortable. Uh, that they're not being judged by the things they don't know or don't aren't, aren't there. Um, and, and I think, again, I think coming full circle, um, the, the, the opposite end of that spectrum is all of those things are needed because you need that much to counteract this new world that's being created for many that has assigned value to something of no value, to something that doesn't matter. Um, you know, why in the hell are we taking pictures of our dinner plates? It, it, it doesn't matter. Why does Drake care what I, well, we fat and we like that. So we've been doing, we've been sending, you know, we've been sending food pictures before it was for likes. It's shoot cream, all that, oh, it's got this. But we said value to stuff that has no value. And now it's driving people's lives and or their lack of living. And I think that's where we're at now. And so, you know, hey, he's, you know, is the answer everybody to get off social media? No, that's not the answer. 
But what I what I what I did want us to have a good a conversation about was um, the importance the importance of just what we just showed here tonight is that I got three other cats that I was able to hit up. I was like, hey man, let's get on and have a conversation. And it's crazy because we really gave them a glimpse of some of the real conversation we have just on Mike's my drive to work conversation. So I, I leave the house usually at 645-ish. My ride is really short now. And so I'm usually free at work up until about 830. So Mike is that conversation when his retired life don't kick in and he don't want to get up. And so I'll text him first and see if he up. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's true. It's true. <laughs> Big Drake is my middle of the other day call because he may be in or out of meetings after practice or if he's on the road or if he's driving back on Friday afternoons or Sunday going back down. I know I can get that call in. We can talk a couple of hours and it is what it is. Jeff is my, hey, Jeff, this praying, hit me back. Because <laughs> ain't no telling who we meeting with, what client, but he will always call me back. But it's the value that we have to have this type of stuff. Um and because it helps us stay here for somebody else too. And, you know, I, I thought it was important to take this week's episode to talk about the importance of having you here. I, I don't know what Stephen was going through last week. I don't know what my wife is, man, it had to be something big, new just showed up. You know, how did that all of a sudden, and my response was, I don't know, but I guarantee you one thing, it wasn't all of a sudden. It wasn't all of a sudden. I don't know if it was three years, five years, nine, 13, 50, or 35, but I guarantee you one thing, it was not all of a sudden. So how do we make sure we keep you here? So if anybody's listening to us, man, our whole premise tonight was just telling you you have value, you love. I, I so I have a shirt on. Uh, Juan Wilson, he's he's big in the sneaker community, photo uh, photography and stuff like that. He has a line of T-shirts. They sell out almost every time I've got a chance. Luckily, cop two. This is one of my favorites, and it says, "I'm scared too, but we'll make it." And I, it just reinforced for me, like, <laughs> hey, dog. <laughs> I feel you. I'm a father of three. I've been married 17 for going on 17 years. We made it over the five-year inch or seven-year hump, whatever them things was. And some days I wake up, I don't like her, and there's a lot of days she don't like me. I feel you. I just need you to be here with me. I just want you here. You, you matter. We love you. You value. And I guarantee you, we'll miss you if you're not here. Man. J-Dub, any parting words for the Made Man family, man? Man, just value people. Put 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 your everything in, into your relationships around you and, and build you that, that tribe and have folks to lean on. Because, like I said, I'm a, I'm a financial advisor and we're we're creating undue anxiety and stress on ourselves for material items and the the thing that's most important for me is if i was down bad and i'm jammed up 
I know I got a team of people I can call and they'll meet me. They'll meet me in them trenches. And hell, they'll fight with me. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what's more important than anything else at the end of the day, man. Put, put your value in something that's real, and that is people. Love on people. Be kind to people. Just tell me, do I need my Bible or the Beretta? You tell me which one, bro. <laughs> yes. MP, any part of words for the family, man? Um, a couple of things. First, <clears throat> when we hear about somebody, we spend a lot of time speculating what happened, why. I don't want to caution everybody that, you know, once that person is gone, it it is sad, but there's nothing that you can do about that. And you won't have all the answers. We got to get, we got to be comfortable with not have any answers about somebody else. We don't know what happened. We don't know exactly how deep it was for him, but you know how deep it is for you. And so if you use this for anything, it is to kind of look within yourself and look at what you're struggling with. And then be in a place where we got to understand we don't have to, no, you can't carry it all by yourself. You were never intended to. And so for those of us who have faith, it's like we talk a lot of God, but how, how often do we really give that thing to God? Because I believe that God, he works in us, but, but he works in everybody. So the things that we need and the things we struggle with, he's equipped somebody else to help us with that. So you first got to let God have it and then let him reveal who your tribe is, as Jeff alluded to, and be willing to reach out. So, um, I, so I, I would simply say, stop relying on you and let somebody outside of you help you because you can't do it by yourself because you were never intended to. Anything of value and meaning in your life, it's gonna require somebody else in your life to help you through it. And you're gonna fail. And that's okay. Everybody fails. Everybody falls. But it's not over until you stop. So just never stop. Don't ever stop. That's good, man. Big Drake. So I'm 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 thinking more on the lines of because, you know, Kingpin, you know me real well, Jeff, you know me. And people that really know me know, like, me asking for help is the last thing I'm going to do. That's for anything. <laughs> so I'm going to encourage everyone listening to, because, you know, the, the, the thing is, we've been saying, we've been saying it on our, our show, like, if you need help, reach out. If you need help, reach out. Well, everybody's just not going to reach out. So yeah. let's make sure we take the time to reach out to them. Because sometimes just a quick text, a phone call. Hey, man, what's up? You good? You straight? And you don't have to be long and drawn out and you have this deep conversation, but just checking on people. And that's one thing I've tried to get better at doing, because like I said earlier, I could not talk to somebody for years and be OK with that. <laughs> I need to to push myself out of my comfort zone a little bit, just to, especially when because relationships, you know, people say it's 50 50. It's not 50 50. Nah. It's 70 30 and, and it fluctuates. But when I have the 80, I need to make sure I'm able to give it to other people. So when I got the 20 and I need to lean on somebody, then they have the yeah. 80. 
You know what I mean? So I, I encourage everybody to, to reach out and check on people that you hadn't heard from in a while because you, you, you never know just a, hey, man, you good? Save their life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I think I think that's good, Big Drake. Um, because again, you you never know who's who's sitting there and, and who who made that phone call. And, and I only encourage you is this, you know, <clears throat> for those of you that are believers, um, I'm a firm believer that the Lord gives me option if I ain't got another better word to use of sometimes to send that text. Don't get busy. Don't get busy. Uh, don't let life be too busy sometimes. Uh, maybe the Lord put somebody on your heart for a purpose, to Big Drake's point. Maybe the Lord put somebody on your mind for a reason because they need that text right now. Not later, not next week, not, you know, in a couple, when you remember again, right now. You know, stop, shoot that quick text. Man, I was just thinking about you. It was on my mind. Pray all is well. Love to hear from you, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hit me up. Let's talk. Let's catch up. Whatever. Because they just may need that that door communication back open. Uh, and when you have that conversation, when you have that conversation, fellas, please hear me well. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. That's sometimes I hear MP up. I had something on my mind and I hit him at the right time and we never talk about whatever I called him. <laughs> you know, and I'm great. I'm grateful that he knows it's okay to not be okay with me. Big Drake knows it's okay to not be okay with me. J-Dub knows it's okay to not be okay. Fellas, it's okay to not be okay. Let's have a conversation. Let's get beyond the small talk, man. Hey, man, you can catch all our guests, uh, MP, like I say, you can go to Catalyst, that's with a K. Uh, you can go to the Marriott Shop every Monday night, go pick up the book, win. Uh, J-Dub, uh, you know, mentions, uh, you know, we got his Talking Cash pod, podcast, uh, but he's also, he is a certified financial planner, and I wouldn't recommend somebody that I don't put my money where my mouth is. So when I left my last job, my last company, I've been there for 17 years, my first call was to Jay and said, hey, here's my money. I ain't finna leave him my check, my cheese to deal with. Go do what you need to do with it, man. So I put my money where my mouth is. And uh, and I don't even worry about it. I don't, I don't check the invoices, the statements or whatever. That's what the Lord blessed him to do, not me. So I let him do, do what he do. Hey Jay, uh, tell them where if they if they do need that that resource, where can they find you? At? Um, GreenwoodWealthManagement.com. So I'm, Greenwood, I, Greenwood Wealth Management. I'm even I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram with it. Yeah, you, don't follow him on Twitter for financial advice. That's not what he's gonna give you. Uh, he's you can get, you, get, you can DM that. you can DM me, and and you know we we can we can be serious, but that you can find me. <laughs> Yeah, he's reestablishing black wealth, man, for us all, man. Hey, family, we thank you for joining us, man. Uh, I know you probably, you know, used to tune in for sports. I hope this wasn't too big of a big of deviation for you. But we really wanted to just have some real talk, man, real conversation with real men. Hey, I might as well go and add three real black men. Uh, and not just men, we're black fathers, we're black husbands, uh, and we're present. Uh, and so I'm grateful to know these men. 
uh, and I'm grateful for the time that we spend with y'all every time, man. Hey, follow us. You know where you can get us at, man. Share the show with somebody. Uh, this one, we're going to have a video out. If you listen to an audio, you can go to YouTube. Uh, I think it should probably, I'll probably put it under Prentice Gilbert. You can uh, go to my YouTube channel and it'll be there. Uh, and uh, we'll even post it on our website, on, on the Made Man Radio website. So uh, if you want to go, you can get that. You can be able to get it. Hey, man, we thank you, family. We love you. Thank you for joining us, man. And guess what? We'll be right back at you next week. Same bat time, same bat telling you, giving you all the lowdown, daddy, and ignorant stuff that we need. And we didn't even drink no ruffle while we're on video. So (laughs) there's that. (laughs) 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 Uh, Not a drop, not a drop. I ain't saying what may not happen after the the video. But on video, we didn't drink no ruffle. We felt comfortable just having this last conversation with y'all man hey man fellow we love you man thank you and we'll holler at you next week we out uh, please forgive me if i mess up knowing that you watching so much pressure still got a thing i'll never let up so every day when i see the sun come up i'ma say let's get it No pills for hopelessness I still pop them trying to cope with it I cry from loneliness Devil played his part and played me I'm foolish, grew too lazy God say take heed lest you fall But I'm such an October baby Need you to hold me down We're all trying to slow me down Know me now Know my vices, kryptonites They entice me till I slowly drown Now I'm on holy ground Can't fight these battles alone They after my home They after my mind They after my time You said I'm in air They after the throne I thought I was running from demons But maybe I'm running from me And my tether is Roman Running from clones We talk about running the city but most of us running from home, running from trauma and poverty. I hit the lottery, I thought they'd leave me alone. Look at me richer than ever, but poor as a beggar when you look inside of my soul. Broken sacred rules and paid a lot of dues on my soul. Almost lost my family, drank the devil's juice on my soul. Thought I was immune, a superhuman fool on my soul. If I lose my life somehow, I still don't lose on my soul. Please forgive me if I mess up. Knowing that you watching so much pressure. Still got a thing I'll never let up So every day when I see the sun come up I'ma say let's get it Get it done Every day proving that I'm still your son You hit me and you with me Heaven not too far far as I can tell You just gotta go through a little how I beat the charge, oh my god How you make the moon, how you speak the stars Oh my god, when they see my flaws They gon' call me fraud I was lost, blinded by applause Now I know my call, I said it, I meant it I'm counting the minutes, they coming to get it Go tell them I'm with it, they killed a messiah They don't have no limits, so what they gon' do to me? Give me my sentence or hit me with venom I don't have a penance, all I got is patience And a couple pennies, I ain't independent Leaning on the spirit, I know we gon' win it So go hang the penance I was in the mansion, going out my mind Had the doctors on the line Wifey crying, mama crying We'll be fine, no I'm lying I ain't wanna live, my babies need me life Come too far to shut my eyes But all this pain, I can't survive But God said, hold up, I got it, I do this He lifted my head up and helped me get to it He gave me the beauty for ashes, I blew it I thought I was ruined, he started renewing I look at my life, I'm like, what is you doing? He look at my life, he like, I already knew it And yet I still love you, I'm walking you through it Your actions are foolish, but I know you're human Please forgive me if I mess up Knowing that you watching so much pressure Still got a thing I'll never